Within the depths of the strip mall of the Dam lies a decrepit video store long since shuttered. Past the dusty shelves, empty save for spiders spinning their patient webs. Beyond the ancient bat-winged doors guarding the sepulcher where once were hidden the perverse and heretical, a secret society assembles to scrutinize those films which are rumored to drive viewers to madness and disillusion. Draw closer, dear listener. Let your trembling ears sup upon the eldritch knowledge of the Cinemania Society. We, the brethren of the Lens's Palm, who convene to judge of this offering of cinema, worthy of our esteem, will be cast down as worthless hokum. Let us draw our fezzes in judgment. Fezzes on, everybody. Donning the fezzes. Welcome, brethren and sistren, to this conclave of the Cinemania Society. Please be seated. And welcome to our listeners, to whom I will now issue this warning. We, the disciples of the Cinemania Society, have studied the mysteries of the motion picture. We meditate upon the silver screen for many years. Therefore, we have become inured to the films we scrutinize, which may contain hazards unsuitable to the young and sensitive ears. And such, we advise anyone listening to do so with discretion. Guard your ears carefully, lest you develop a severe and irreversible case of Cinemania. Present at our conclave tonight are myself, Brother Zachariah, guardian of the door. Brother Andy, master illuminator. Hello. Brother Andre, voice from the outer world. I was, uh... Dignity, Brother Andre, dignity. <laughs> what? <laughs> Brother Ethan, keeper of the lens. I see you. Brother Bill, master of reboots. Just a moment. We're rebooting. <laughs> Brother Daniel, possessor of the word, is absent, having been taken by severe levels of cinemania. He was last seen trying to join Intersect with an amorphous sex blob of a typewriter after being exposed to the cinemania-inducing film Naked Lunch. Shame, shame what happened to him. But it had to be done. Peace. Indeed, Brother Daniel has been deeply overtaken by Cinemania. This is why this group exists. Even our minds, which have been trained over years of exposure to films that cause Cinemania, can still be overwhelmed. I do recommend anyone who see that terrifying film of David Cronenberg's do guard themselves carefully and watch it in very small increments, perhaps no longer than 90 seconds at a sitting. <laughs> we had to seal him away in concrete! <laughs> Dangerous levels of Cinemania, brothers. I am Brother Zachariah, guardian of the door. I will be serving as the point of fix of presentment for tonight's subject of scrutiny, director Tetsuro Takauchi's 2000 release, Wild Zero. How did I come to this film, you may ask? As I walked down the dusty halls of our secret sanctum, I heard a growl like from a jet engine. And from the stockpiles of abandoned films, a vision of flames and zombies intertwined with UFOs descended into my mind like a nightmarish fever. As the vision cleared, I found a copy of Wild Zero in my hand. I knew then that for better or worse, a die was cast, and this was our next film. Perhaps this may be an even greater source of cinemania than Naked Lunch. We shall see. Brother Andre will act as master castigator for this enclave. 
Brother Andre, present the charges. All right, let me see. Hold on. <laughs> Brothers, we have charges of gratuitous use of because aliens, gratuitous use of flamethrowers on areas that should not contain said flamethrowers, being the live action Metalocalypse movie we never got, use of speed ups reminiscent of Nickelodeon ads circa early 2000s. Suspicion of just being one long music video. Suspicion of being derived from a high school punk's what if anecdotes. Encouraging the impressionable to solve their problems with golden balls and Mexican standoffs. Promoting sartorial felonies in both destruction and presentation. And finally, implication that rock and roll solves social crises. I would say perhaps one or the other, Brother Andre. Rock or perhaps roll, but not both. Both are just too powerful. Indeed, Brother I think you could solve Andre. a couple of crises with roll. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> Dinner rolls. Thank you, Brother Andre. I open up the floor for additional charges. Well, it left me half deaf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, could you say that again, please, Brother Andy? I couldn't hear you. <laughs> well... They're, they're just they're just tuning up their instruments. Let them get through a single sound check. Come on. I mean, you may have um, you may have noticed I'm attending this conclave with uh, a massive Victorian ear trumpet coming out of the side of my head. But this Again. film is why. What? What? <laughs> the, Somebody get him a trumpet. Guitar Wolf is the creators of what they refer to as jet metal. Jet Metal is not um, a reference to Joan Jett, who they, in fact, do love, but because the lead guitarist, Guitar Wolf, loved the sound of a jet engine in the background, and wanted that's what he wanted his sound to, to emulate. So there is never just any clear sound. There is always a growling whining in the background. Making jet punk, whatever you want to call this, a thing, that's a charge I will definitely level on them. I will add to this list of charges, complete lack of comprehensibility. It took me two full watch-throughs to be able to make any sort of sense out of the story. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a legitimate charge. Yeah, and watchers shouldn't come to this film with any expectation that they're getting any kind of a narrative. Bill, you got a charge? <laughs> I have a charge of flagrant misuse of hair care products for the uh, Rockabilly guys. Oh. The lack of hair combing I found disturbing. Drinking and driving. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's probably one we should address, huh? Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> when your motorcycle has a cozy for a bottle of Jack Daniels right there in the windshield, yeah, I, I, I'm just saying it's probably one of the reasons they shot in Thailand. I think it's safe to say they all tied one on, Brother Zach. And speaking of tying one on, in the spirit of rock and roll, here's a list of products you need to buy in and sell out. May we all never sell out, Brother Zach.
Welcome back, fellow disciples, to our conclave on the Japanese rock and roll zombie alien invasion epic known as Wild Zero. General impressions of the film, brethren. Well, uh, noise, noise and, and, and sound and light coming into my brain and a vice-like grip tightening around my skull and squeezing and squeezing and the crackling of my skull bones echoing throughout my brain. And then just as I'm about to black out, I wake up and we're only halfway through the damn film. <laughs> oh, that isn't a good time to you? That, that sounds like many a good night of mine. <laughs> this was a difficult watch, let's just say. I I honestly, I, I really do love this movie. I think it's very good, goofy fun, but definitely guilty of Cinemania. One of the things I love about this movie is that there is a drinking game and you drink every time fire shoots out of something. Somebody says rock and roll. Somebody combs their hair. Somebody Ooh. drinks. <laughs> something explodes or a zombie's head pops. Nice. Now I have tried this and I am glad that I was just doing it with a sip at a time instead of trying shots because if you try it with shots, you're going to die. There is this thing where punk and or heavy metal bands in films keep referring to what they do as rock and roll. Is that something that actually happens in real life? Because that clearly isn't rock and roll. It's a different genre. This, this movie, I actually see a lot of parallels with uh, Rock and Roll High School from the 80s, uh, just with, you know, more zombies. The Ramones, obviously an influence for uh, Guitar Wolf, even saying that giving themselves the names of Guitar Wolf, Bass Wolf, and uh, Drum Wolf is a uh, homage to them. We should also point out that Guitar Wolf is the name of the band and also the name of the lead in the band. He's called Mr. Guitar Wolf, Mr. <laughs> G Wolf, if you will. Yeah. So yeah. when we say Guitar Wolf, we may well be referring to the man or the band or both. And not, there's no real way that that's going to be made clear. Not, not to be, not confusing at all. No, no. <laughs> This film hits you like the business end of a Louisville slugger, and it's only 20, 30 minutes in. I, I think uh, Brother Andy put it best, stating it may not be good, it may not be uh, very watchable, but is it punk? It's memorable. <laughs> well, punk as a genre itself, if I'm not mistaken, is just supposed mm. to be a bit incomprehensible. It's not supposed to be something that's only reserved for people with you know, talent. <laughs> Skill, even. Definite punk mood here. There's a, a lot of moments where people are doing nothing except setting a mood by doing pretty punky things for no reason, except that we can see how punk they are. There's definitely a deep obsession with being honest. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for. Earnestness? Yes. Yeah. Definitely not a film for the soccer mom. <laughs> no. no 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 this is this is a movie you watch when you're just absolutely blasted out of your mind and you just want something to focus on while you're trying to understand the new reality you, you have just put yourself into yeah there's no subtext here it's all text and the text has been scrawled in crayon on the wall by a drunkard who's urinated all over himself but it's good. It's good. 
but he did it with conviction, Brother Andy. <laughs> Someone should have been convicted for this. Yes. <laughs> well, as you were saying, Brother Andy, it's a simple story. Can you sum it up uh, the way you do? It is a simple story. It's a very simple narrative. It's uh, I don't know what hack they got to re-spin this old yarn, but it's a simple case of boy meets band, band meets man, man fights band, man swears revenge while boy meets girl, girl turns out to be boy, boy can't handle that, existential crisis during zombie attack until band tells boy no boundaries in rock and roll, and boy makes up with boy, then man turns up with a grand slam plan and gun in hand, so band takes a stand before a Aliens land, then everybody explodes. So, do you understand? <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. Are you tale is tale as old as time? It really is. I mean, it's so derivative. I've heard it a thousand times before. Classic. You actually made more sense of that film in 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 that uh, in that summary than than I did in two watches. I, I watched it twice and it made no fucking sense to me. <laughs> and you just summed it up right there. That's it. You you hit the nail on the head, brother Andy. It's all right there on the screen. What can I say? Is this is this a generational thing? Because I watched it once and I got it. I don't. Maybe that's something to say about me. Maybe I gotta. Eh. Look! Look at this! Look at Mr. Gen Z showing off his <laughs> fast brain and his appreciation for things that are difficult that we, the olds, can't possibly manage to comprehend. Hey, hey, hey! I'm supposed to have at least some damage from alcohol because I drank it before 25. So you know, you know what? We turned your world into a living nightmare, and this is why because of that <laughs> attitude. Thanks this for that. We turn you. For all we've done, this is how you repay us with Wild Zero. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what What does Generation X have to say about this, oh, ye Gen Xers? Yes, yes. We tried to make the world a better place, but um, the generation before us did a good job of wrecking it with their land yachts and uh, episodes of Dallas. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they did indeed climb the ladder of social success and then pull it up after themselves, did they not? Yeah. JR should have been shot twice, one in the chest, one in the head. <laughs> Always got to double tap those fuckers. Always got to double tap. <laughs> double yes. Tap. Find one in every car, you'll see. <laughs> Everyone knows that it was actually Genie who brought JR back, so... Uh, I know you're not going to get that the same actor from I Dream of Genie and played JR. I forget the guy's name, but it, someone will laugh at that. <laughs> okay. That joke was so old, I'm going to blow some dust off it. <laughs> <laughs> going back to the power of rock and roll, I think in this context, rock and roll, punk, punk being a name that was put on to what was essentially just small artistic garage bands of the time and became its own genre of just, you know, trash rock. Rock and roll has always been the cry of the disenfranchised and those who just want to fuck shit up. Speaking of fucking shit up, at least 40% of our sponsors do not fuck shit up. That is the guarantee of our podcast. 40% guarantee is not considered a legally binding guarantee.
And we're back. How shall I describe Wild Zero? Wild Zero is a film that in a lot of ways defies your classic three-act narrative. At its core, it is the story of a young Japanese pompadoured, coiffed, leather jacket-clad rock and roller by the name of Ace, who in his quest to see a self-described jet-punk band, Guitar Wolf, winds up stumbling through encounters with mobsters in tight, tight shorts, knife-wielding slackers, zombies, aliens, Yakuza and tactical rompers, and of course, finding out that love has no borders, nationalities, or genders. But it is so much more. <laughs> this movie tangents into more side stories than an MMO has side quests. As it stubbornly introduces new characters without any explanation or context, instead of predictably forwarding the plot, leaving you with a disjointed story involving drugs, zombies, aliens, delinquents, perverts, and of course, the power of rock and roll. So instead of just trying to follow the story, the members of the Conclave have taken it upon themselves to summarize the various storylines from the various viewpoints of the characters in the film. Rashomon style. We're going to rush him on it. <laughs> Shut up. And for our first part of the film, I will be taking over and telling you the narrative tale of Guitar Wolf. Guitar Wolf? Tell us what happened to Guitar Wolf. Tell us uh, what they did. I do not believe wolves play guitar. Tell us of the truth that you've seen with thine eyes. This... A wolf shouldn't have a guitar, but try getting it away from him once he's got it. Oh, brethren. This is the story of the legendary creators of Jet Punk, Guitar Wolf, a band of leather-clad, sunglass-at-night-wearing, rockabilly Ramones-like rock-and-roll gods. The three members of this power trio are Guitar Wolf, Bass Wolf, and Drum Wolf. And this movie starts with them doing what they do best playing their angry music with fire literally spewing forth from the stage and microphone. Following the show, the band confront their manager, the captain, who has already been described as a sociopathic degenerate king in a world of sociopathic degenerates. Guitar Wolf seeing the captain abuse women and alluding to abuse that he used to lay on Guitar Wolf when they were younger. It leads to guns being pulled and a tense Mexican standoff. As they hold each other at gunpoint, a punk rock enthusiast ace overhears the captain proclaim that rock music is obsolete. Ace bursts into the room, allowing Guitar Wolf to shoot the captain's hand. Guitar Wolf makes Ace his blood brother and gives him a whistle to blow if he ever finds himself in danger. The next night, after another flamethrowing concert of epic proportion, Guitar Wolf the lead singer, not the band, hears the whistle that he gave his new blood brother Ace, and he heads to the location with no explanation, fueled by alcohol and the power of rock. Guitar Wolf is stopped on the road by Haneko and Toshi, who are allowed to ride with Bass Wolf and Drum Wolf. They go to a gas station where Hanako and Toshi last saw Ace and are soon joined by an arms dealer and a tactical romper named Yamazaki. Guitar Wolf dispatches the zombies surrounding Yamazaki using laser-like guitar picks. This group visits Yamazaki's weapons cache where Toshi is bitten by a zombie. 
Guitar Wolf tricks Yamazaki into thinking there are balls of gold hidden inside all of the zombies, tricking her into helping him find Ace. Heedless to the alien spaceships flying around the world, Guitar Wolf set out again to find Ace. Bass Wolf and Drum Wolf's cars surrounded by zombies. In a strange version of the joke, what does the drummer do when he locks his keys in the car? He spends an hour trying to wake up the bassist sleeping in the back seat. Leaving Guitar Wolf to continue on his motorcycle with Yamazaki in her tactical romper following behind in a military vehicle. Guitar Wolf shows up with tactical romper woman in tow to save Ace from a horde of zombies. Ace expresses regret for not having saved Tobio, the woman that he loves, receives a handgun from Yamazaki and leaves on a motorcycle. The captain who tracked down Guitar Wolf with the help of a zombified Toshi begins launching grenades at the building in which Guitar Wolf and Yamazaki are. Guitar Wolf jumps out of the building as the room he was in explodes and fused with the power of rock and roll. An epic battle between good and evil ensues. After a fight with Guitar Wolf, the captain begins shooting explosive pervert laser beams from his eyes until Bass Wolf and Drum Wolf arrive and kill the captain using a rocket launcher shooting him right through the stomach, sending him to the hell of perverts in short, short, shorts. The alien mothership passes above Guitar Wolf and it is the first time that they have ever seen or acknowledged these UFOs at all in the movie. So what do they do? Guitar Wolf climbs atop a building, unsheaths his guitar, his fretboard being the handle of a sword, and uses the blade to cut through the mothership. The mothership explodes and the zombies are all neutralized. After sunrise, Guitar Wolf gifts Ace a comb and the van rides off into the sunset. The end. This is really the story of three guys who simply do whatever the hell they want forever and have no real appreciation for the law or speed limits or what anybody else would really prefer they were doing. It's like a <laughs> it's like a Western. It's the, these it's like the, the staple cowboy, mysterious stranger kind of deal where they just ride around and be all badass. <laughs> so you're saying it's the libertarian wet dream? <laughs> <laughs> True, true. Uh, and, and it does have levels of uh, of uh, post-apocalyptic Mad Maxitude to it. Mm. You could certainly say me... that. Um, you, you could certainly say that Guitar Wolf is a cowboy and on a steel horse he rides. Mm. Nobody, nobody, tell Andre what the reference is. He's too young. You won't get it. Well, he is wanted by the captain, dead or alive. I, you know, it makes me wonder if if simply owning a guitar is uh, enough to give one the credibility it takes in order to behave this way. I mean, you could just say you're in a band. You don't actually have to perform anything. You can say you're in a band. I think that was actually law in the 1970s. Well, I own a ukulele, but I'm not an insufferable twee indie outfit. No, that's true. <laughs> but is it an electric ukulele, Brother Andy? Mm. <laughs> I, I do find it's it's difficult to sense what the motivation for any of Guitar Wolf is. They just go from place to place doing gigs, and they seem to have no reason for anything that they do. They don't really care that aliens are invading or that zombies are there. These are just things that are getting in the way of them going to the next gig. That's all they really do. 
and if it wasn't for Ace blowing the whistle, they wouldn't have even gotten involved. They would have just trolled their merry way. True. Yeah, that'd be sent. That'd be selling uh, shitty mixtapes to zombies out the back of their next gig without a second thought. <laughs> if you can, if you can ask a zombie for directions, you can make a zombie listen to some awesome music. All right. <laughs> I think that's that, most that's... of Sony Music's marketing right there. <laughs> I, I believe the the question I have for our resident punk expert, brother Bill, is how many fractions of a fuck are expected by a punk to give on a general basis? Let's say about uh, 2.75. So two full fucks and, and uh, uh, 75 centifucks? Yes. Or, or 2.75 millifucks? Millifucks, yes. So, so only, only two thousandths of a fuck should be given, and uh, just slightly under three thousandths of a fuck should be given. That's on not a even basis. the tip! <laughs> well, if you're living the rock and roll dream, there's there's very little fucks to give. <laughs> that's true. And that's one thing you can certainly say about Guitar Wolf. They're, they're living some kind of a dream. Well, the, I, the self-destructive rock and roll lifestyle, I mean, it's leave a, leave a used up corpse by 30. <laughs> live, live like James Bond, go out like James Dean. It's... There you go. <laughs> Perhaps I should begin giving fewer fucks. I'm I'm into the centifuck range. Ooh. <laughs> oh boy! Well, That's live live in service to the establishment and die without establishing any long-lasting legacy beyond a few bright spots. That was uh, Sid Vicious right there in a nutshell. He did it his way. <laughs> now we move on to our next point of view in our Rashomon style. Brother Andre, please give us the story of Yamazaki, the tactical romper woman. This is the story of the weapons dealer Yamazaki. Another work day, another late client. Yamazaki waited patiently for what seemed like hours for the money to show up. After a few hours, eh, bullshit, time to give up and drive home. After an uneventful but annoying day, time to relax, right? Catch a hot shower and scrub off the sweat from waiting out in the sun all day, but... Hold on. Was that someone breaking in? Yamazaki stopped scrubbing herself down and pulled back the shower curtain. What now? She saw zombies, full stop, in her house. The worst part, they were tearing up all her damn clothes! In a fit of rage, frustration, and the kind of last-ditch energy you get at the end of the day, she grabbed the gun and solved the problem the best way she knew how. Blast her way out of there. She hastily grabbed whatever clothes she had left to wear to dress herself after quickly jumping out of the shower. The only thing that really worked, some romper she had saved for a special occasion. She carried her frustration all the way out to the Jeep, picking off zombies as she went. What a disaster of a day. She revved up the engine and gunned it towards her weapon stockpile to ensure the merchandise was at least somewhat intact. Unfortunately, this bad day just wouldn't let up. Zombies clung to the sides of the Jeep and driving as fast as possible and shooting off undead trying to make their way in through the windows quickly became a massive chore. After a while of making no progress repelling the zombies, she stopped the Jeep in a huff and put all her effort into using what few weapon merchandise pieces she had to clean up the car. Just as she began to get overwhelmed by the crowd, suddenly they all fell to the ground, felled by guitar picks? She looked up to see what looked like a punk rock band accompanied by two others. Groupies? The leader of the group introduced himself as Guitar Wolf. 
Begrudgingly and out of pity, she gave them a ride to the warehouse that contained her merchandise. She felt obligated, but nonetheless annoyed. When they arrived, of course, they immediately took to picking out the wares like they were free. One of the groupies grabbed a handgun, but Yamazaki quickly stepped in and put him down. Suddenly, someone familiar began knocking on the warehouse doors, the Yakuza client from earlier. They were finally here, but were they turned? One of the dumbass groupies unscrupulously opened the door to confirm, yup, they were a zombie now stumbling in. The Yakuza zombie bit one of the groupies before the undead's head was blown off by Guitar Wolf in the coolest way possible. Maybe these guys were worth a few bits of merchandise. While the remaining living groupie assisted her compatriot, Guitar Wolf reached inside the Yakuza corpse to retrieve... Holy shit, is that an orb of solid gold? Finally, this whole ordeal might be worth it after all. At this point, the bitten groupie had reanimated as a zombie. Only one course of action, throw him out with the other zombies. The other groupie put up a bit of a fight, but that didn't matter. Attachments in an apocalypse? Lame. Guitar Wolf saddled up with some weapons and headed out. They had a mission to find someone called Ace? Not that Yamazaki gave a shit, but she felt like they had proven themselves. As they left, the groupie stayed behind. Hold on a second. Why was she covering her arm? Oh, of course, the dumb bitch. She was hiding a zombie bite from her dumbass groupie boyfriend. Yamazaki berated her for being an absolute loser, and for some reason, the groupie started talking about true love? What the fuck? What part of true love meant screwing over other survivors just because you're dating someone? Anyway, Yamazaki shot her dead because fuck her. But holy shit, you know what? After knocking down the groupie, Yamazaki realized killing zombies is super bloody fun. She followed the Guitar Wolf guy to another warehouse area, following up as they tore through zombies to get to this Ace character. However, after rescuing Ace and encountering this strange captain character with really high shorts coming after Guitar Wolf and by extension everyone else, this captain figure stated that the gold, after all, wasn't real. And after feeling that she was double-crossed, Suddenly, the warehouse was torn apart by explosions as Guitar Wolf jumped down to save the day. Yamazaki sat back, just kind of thinking to herself, what the fuck? How, how, how did this all occur? How? Anyway, that's what I got. Bravo, brother Andre. Woo. Bravo. The first thing you have to know about Yamazaki is she enters the movie out of nowhere. We have no idea why she's there. The scene just cuts to her waiting by the side of the road yeah. for this deal to go down. And she never finds out why the deal doesn't happen. The, the buyers simply don't turn up. We know that they've been attacked by zombies by this point. But as far as she's concerned, this is just a bad day where randomly zombies appear. And so yeah. she hikes up her tactical romper suit and gets into action. Don't you just hate that just minor inconvenience of just zombies taking over the world? It's really just quite a bother. Well, in Japan, I think that's just Tuesday. <laughs> I will say that the film could just have been about tactical romper suit woman and nothing else. And it would have been awesome because for my money, she is one of the best parts of this whole thing. She's amazing. True. I, yeah, I, I will grant you that brother Andy. I mean, uh, it it there is something hypnotic about about the way that she acts terribly like i mean her acting her physical acting is terrible but but it she's still somehow incredibly compelling 
in you know the amount of contempt she is able to to exhibit with her with her facial expressions while also simultaneously wearing a long sleeved houndstooth print bikini with belt and fur trim and matching high heels oh yes i forgot about she's actually yeah she's got those pumps on that are also in a houndstooth pattern and not like like in general like i would not say she at all is my type but it's also one of those things where it's so compelling you can't stop from staring at her she is a beautiful woman yes (laughs) and she definitely knows it and not only does she know it she also wields it as much as the gun that she's pointing in people's faces she's a badass through and through oh man yeah Yeah, she she does not take one moment of shit from anyone uh, from beginning to end and she's brilliant and frankly she should get her own film series i want to know where she came from what her deal is i want to know what she did next that's where i think the film should have been what say you brother bill regarding uh yamazaki ah she gets the knowing nod from the it department (laughs) (laughs) she means business she is the cool car She is definitely the Black Widow of the uh, Guitar Wolf Avengers here. True. <laughs> she can do with a couple of square yards of hideously patterned lycra what it takes the entire Guitar Wolf band a few cows worth of leather to achieve. I will say for someone who is uh, represented as an arms dealer, she shows a shocking lack of either trigger discipline or muzzle awareness. There's a scene in which she scratches the side of her head with the barrel of her pistol. <laughs> Well, that's just punk rock. Yeah, it's punk rock. <laughs> Who needs gun safety? Yeah. Want a safety? Your safety is your finger. <laughs> True. And, uh, you know, honestly, you don't get into arms dealing because you're the most sanest, well-put-together individual who's making great life choices. Uh, I think she actually makes the only logical, reasonable choices throughout the whole thing. She has a plan for every situation. She has enough arms to carry that plan out. And she logically moves from A to B in a way that literally nobody else does. She doesn't get on the back of a motorcycle crossed with a flamethrower, knock back half a bottle of Jack and just ride into the night hoping for the best. No, she gets in a Hummer with a grenade launcher. That is that is a very good point. So she's kind of the, the anti-punk counterpoint. The sanity to the insanity that is Guitar Wolf. Speaking of insanity, I feel my cinemania is rising to nearly unimaginable levels. Before it overtakes me, I hereby declare this conclave to stand in recess, brethren. We shall return once our minds can stand the strain. Please join us in two weeks for the conclusion of our conclave on Wild Zero. That episode of the Cinemania Society featured Zachariah Burks, Ethan Ireland, Andy Slack, Andre Luke Martinez, and special guest William McDonough. Produced, mixed, and mastered by Ethan Ireland. Graphic design by Andy Slack. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Additional music courtesy of Epidemic Sound. Visit our website at thecinemaniasociety.podbean.com and check out our social media feeds. We're on Twitter at TCS underscore Cinemania and Facebook at the Cinemania Society. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, mention us on social media, and if you can, subscribe and leave a rating or review wherever you found us. Our episodes drop every other Wednesday.
You can also find us on Coffee and throw us a few bones. We love to make fun stuff for folks, but it isn't free to make. Anything and everything helps. Coming soon, the Cinemania Society will be creating pieces of video media, short films, and the like. So stay tuned, Cinemaniacs. The Cinemania Society is a production of the Cinemania Society, LLC.